0: Monday morning, May 22nd, 1989, my wife and my two sisters drove to Olympia Fields Osteopathic. When I got out of the car, I did not really have much hope, but we had had hope that we were gonna hear something good. As I approached the doors and, you know, you step on the pad, the doors open. Another man, a little shorter than me, with red hair and a a ruddy complexion, he immediately said, are you Bruce Humbert? Of course, I said, yes. He said, your dad is dead. And it hit me. You've been there. We went into the room and there he laid. And immediately, my mind is racing. I'm the pastor of Sock Trail Baptist Temple. I'm no Don Humbert. He was the first student at Baptist Bible College to graduate with a 4.0. He was brilliant. He was witty. He was humble. And now I'm, I'm stepping in that void. I'm the pastor. Tuesday, we made... Arrangements, and Wednesday we had a service at the church, Wednesday night. Thursday, our family drove to Ohio, the place where we're from. Friday, we had the service. Saturday, I drove home. Sunday morning, I'm going to stand before my congregation, and I was so weak I talked to my best friend, Bill, and I said, you know, I'm going to call a local preacher to see if he'd fill in today. I don't think I'm up for this. And he said, we need to hear from our pastor. And so I knew that if I was going to make it that Sunday and if I was going to make it in the ministry, I needed the power of God. I didn't have the wit. I didn't have the intelligence. I didn't have the network of friends that my dad had. I completely whittled myself down to myself, comparing myself with him. And I knew if I was going to make it, I'd had to have the power of God on my life. Every great man of God in the Bible, every great man in church history was a man of prayer. So that Sunday morning, I made my way to the church auditorium at 4 a.m. And I was prepared to pray for four hours to eight, have an hour to clean up, be ready for Sunday school at 10, church at 11. I came before the Lord at the altar and granted, I was still somewhat emotionally charged. I just lost my dad. I mean, I wept at the altar and I cried out to God and I poured my heart out to God. I prayed, and I prayed with passion. And when I was done, it was 420. I couldn't believe it. I prayed my heart out to God, and it was 20 after four. I was humiliated In fact, I became angry at myself and then I broke and cried out to God, God, if you'd forgive me. I promise. I'll learn to pray. But I'm going to pray the same thing again. And it's not a vain repetition. I mean it with all my heart, but God, I need help. I don't know what else to say so I'm just going to pray the same thing again and I went through the same prayer routine that I had in the prayer sheet that I brought with me and and that time it lasted till about five and so I started walking through the auditorium praying for the people Baptists tend to sit in the same seat every service and and so I prayed for those people that sat on that pew and, and those that I, the problems that I knew that they had and the, the requests that they had. I began to pray for them and I found a church, I found a church directory in my walking through the pews and I brought it to the altar and I prayed for every member of the church. I filled up those hours, but when I was done, I promised God I would learn to pray. For 30 years, I was at the church at 4 a.m. Folks, I'm not bragging on Bruce Humbert. I'm just telling you that's how desperate I am. I can't fake it. I have to have God with me if I'm going to stand and preach his word. We all need to learn to pray. And I don't care how many miracles God has done for you in your life, we can all up our prayer life, can we not? And that's why we selected Luke chapter 18 for our study this morning. We're looking at a beggar sitting outside of Jericho or outside of the city there begging, begging. He's not a famous guy, he's not a rich guy. He has no political clout, he's a beggar. He's blind, but he hears a multitude passing by. And he inquired what it was and they said, well, Jesus is there, Jesus? Well, obviously it rung a bell He must have heard the Old Testament prophecies taught to him. He knew there was a Messiah coming. In fact, he addressed him, thou son of David. That wasn't a feeling. He knew who he was. And so he cried with a loud voice, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And his disciples, they, which went before, they, they rebuked him. They tried to get him to hold his peace, to hush it up. But the Bible says he couldn't be stopped. He prayed so much the more. He cried so much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says Jesus stood. And he asked him to be brought to him. Think of it. This blind man is now standing before God. God in the flesh. And look at me look with me in Luke 18. And if you would would you stand with me we're just going to read one verse of scripture. I've given you a paraphrase of what's taken place up to this point. Look in verse number 41. Think of this. Jesus saying, what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? Folks, I don't know if that hits you like it hits me, but here's the creator of the universe asking this beggar, this blind man, what do you want me to do? You. We're trying to learn how to pray because obviously many of us have given up on prayer. We don't say that it's wrong, we all know that it's important, but just being honest, most of us don't pray an hour a week. So obviously we think praying is for somebody else. And we're missing out on miracles, we're missing out on God. Blessing our home and our homes show it. Today, the statistics of broken marriages and immorality are almost the same in the church as out of the church. Come on, folks, let's be honest. We need the power of God. And we learned first of all this morning, we need to pray, we need to pray with passion. We need to pray from the inner core of who we are. We need to pray with sincerity. And then secondly, we learned we need to pray with persistence. Don't quit praying. Don't try to come up with a plan B or plan C and pull it off yourself. If it's God's will, according to God's word, you have every reason to believe God will hear and answer your prayer so tonight I want to pick up right where I left off. And I understand sunny nights you can preach a little longer because some of you need a longer nap. I met so many people that came in tonight and gave me such kind words and I'm thinking were they in the same service? And then I realized they can sleep with their eyes wide open and one man said well I heard every preacher has one good sermon. I thought maybe tonight would be the night. And so He's back. Tonight, I want to pick up right where we left off and help those of us that truly desire to see something miraculous done in our home, in our church. And if God would be so kind, if he would once again bless America. Father, standing before me, Standing before you is an eternal bound audience. We're either coming to your home or we're going to the abode of the devil. We're either saved from our sin or we're going to die in our sin. And so, Father, I pray first and foremost that every soul here tonight has confidence of their eternal destiny. Knows for certain that if they were to die tonight, they would go to heaven. For the redeemed, for the church here especially, I pray that you would bless us tonight from your word and teach us to pray. And then, Father, that we would be doers of the word and carve out time every day, good, solid, quality time to spend with you. And I pray that we would see miracles once again in our churches We love you. Without you, we're nothing. So we thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thirdly, we need to be precise when we pray. Think of it. Here's Jesus standing before this man, and he says, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee. Can I ask you a question tonight? Do you think this blind man had any other problems other than being blind? I mean, just being blind creates a whole list of problems that most of us in this room do not have to encounter. This man had a ton of problems. Most Christians today whine and complain about all the problems, but they haven't spent 10 seconds praying about it. They haven't prayed with passion. They haven't prayed with persistence and they haven't been precise in their prayers. Can I help you tonight? Vague praying is lazy praying. James says, you have not because ye ask not. And I don't want to be disrespectful to the God in the city of heaven, but Let me use the terminology that we understand and associate. Can you imagine all the distribution centers and warehouses of blessings up in heaven that God has chucked full, ready to send to us? We know that every good and perfect gift comes from where? From above. And we have not because we ask not. God hasn't run out of blessings. He hasn't run out of miracles for our lives. But we are not asking. We're not praying for them. Man, we got, we got 11 grandchildren. Now, <clears throat> Lori is uh, so much better of a person and Christian than I am. She's just nice, easygoing, and all that stuff to the point where I just I, I want to gag myself sometimes. <laughs> She's so kind and loving those grandkids come over the house and she always has a gift for them. And I refused to go down that route. I tell our grandkids, you love grandma because she always gives you things. I'm not doing it. I'm not buying your love. In fact, I'm just telling you, you ought to love me because I'm cool. How many of your friends have a grandpa with a cool handlebar mustache? Come on. I may be old, but I still got it, folks. (laughs) I walk into Starbucks and the barista, almost every time I walk in, barista will say, whoa, cool mustache. And I'll say, whoa, uh, good enough for a free cup of coffee? And they'll say, what do you want? Folks, I've had over 50 cups of coffee given to me because of this thing. I couldn't shave it if I wanted to. Man, I'll go home from church tonight, take it off, put it in the case. and Tomorrow I'm putting it back on. Hallelujah. I tell our grandkids, man, you'll love me because I'm, I'm just cool. But I finally cave. I'm tired of it. And I decide to take a couple of my grandkids shopping. So I tell them, hey, Papa's taking you shopping. They, you're not taking us shopping, Papa. Yeah, I'm taking you shopping. I'm gonna take you shopping. I'm gonna let you buy anything you want in the store. I'm buying it, my treat, but just one thing. I'm not buying the whole store for you. I'll buy you one thing. No, no, Papa, you're not taking us shopping. You don't go shopping. Listen, I'm taking you shopping. I'll buy you anything in the store. Really, Papa? Yes, absolutely, I'm not fibbing, I'm taking you shopping. All right, I said, all right, let's go to Dollar Tree. So, (laughs) get in the car, we go over to Dollar Tree. You know how that is, you get in there, that firstborn, you know those firstborns, I mean, they're serious. I mean, they're marching, they're looking for it. You see anything you want? Nope, not yet, but I'm I'm gonna find it. I know what I want and are you sure? Nope, haven't seen it. But there it is, Papa, that's what I want. Are you sure that's what you want? We haven't been through the whole store yet. You could cuz I'm not buying you two or three things. I'm only kicking down for one of those toys that you want. No, papa, this is what I really want. I really 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 want it. Well, okay, but this is it. I asked the second born, is that what you want? No. You got to watch that second born. <laughs> we go down the aisle and and we look, see anything here? Nope, 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 are you sure? Nope, nope, no. Nope. We go down another aisle, see you want? Nope, nope, nope. Firstborn, Papa, this is what I want. But I already gave you something. No, this is what I really want. I mean, I really, really, really want, but I, I can't buy you both. Why, well, I, I, I want this. Well, you're kidding. No, Papa, I've been praying for this. <laughs> been praying for something that cost a dollar? Okay, well, you gotta take the other back. Takes it back, comes back. Now you sure this is what you want? You wanna go through the rest? No, Papa, this is what I really, I really want this. Okay, well, here you go. Second born, you want that? Nope. We're going down another aisle. Gotta watch that second born. Second born's not looking for what he wants. He's looking for something that he knows his older sibling wants. The prodigal son was second born, just saying. (laughs) Anything, uh, you see what you want? Nope, 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 nope. Papa, that's it. You want that? Yep, that's what I want. Okay, here you go. Papa, you, he knows that's what I want. I want that. But I've already given you two things already, and bye bye, I want that. When well, you got something in your hand, I don't like this. I wonder how many of us pray like that. I want this. I want this. I want this. And God blesses another church member with something. And you get jealous and angry that God gave them that. And you eventually dislike and even hate what he gave you. You know why? Because we don't think when we pray. Now, folks, I know we're in the 21st century, but I want to remind you of that. Today's Christianity is not very much like the first century Christianity. There's a few things today that we have and that we accept as common behavior in our churches that they didn't have in the first century. One is our churches are drunk on television and entertainment. Well, don't talk about TV. We are on the Internet. Same thing. Check the science. Our brains get dumbed down by the amount of screen time. I'm not talking spirituality at this moment. But for most of us, we respond emotionally, this, that, this, that. And we haven't even given it a good thought. My dad used to say, Prayer is the hardest work I know. And this might be another reason why he would say that. Because you have to think. If we're going to pray for miracles, if we're going to see our prayer life go up a notch, we are going to have to be able to think it through. I ask you tonight, what one thing, if God said to you, and by the way, when I say if, there's no doubt in my mind. If God said to you, what wilt thou? I shall do unto thee. I wonder what one thing you would say, God, if you would do this, this would change my whole Christian life. God, if you did this, it would change our home forever. Forever. God, if you did this, our church would never be the same. What one thing, what one thing? For some of us, we'll blow that question off, thinking that that's not for today. Oh, read your Bible. There's been more than one occasion where God asked somebody, what do you want? And if you and I will tell God what one miracle, one thing that would change my Christian life forever, you can almost go to sleep tonight knowing he's going to hear that prayer. We need to be precise. Then fourthly, we need positivity when we pray. We We need to be positive. The Bible word is faith. And some people would take offense that I would use the word positivity, just to use the word faith. Well, I'm starting all my points with the letter P. And my good friend, Brother Hardy, I've been told says, alliteration is obliteration. Now, I've never heard him say that. He's been credited with saying that. Is that true? That's true. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to obliterate this text (laughs) because I'm starting them all with P's. He's not here. I am going to say this tonight. If you're a man of faith or think you're a man of faith, you're the most positive person in this room. You can't be walking by faith and be a negative person. A pessimist will say, well, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist in a realistic world. Just admit it. You're negative. Well, you optimists, you're so shallow. You just don't deal with reality. No, we know it's really bad out there. We just think our God is bigger. Are you with me? If you have faith, you're going to be very positive. We're saved by faith, we're justified by faith, we walk by faith, we live by faith, we can't please God without faith. So how could we even begin to pray if we don't have faith? A.W. Tozer said, unbelief is actually perverted faith, for it puts its trust not in the living God, but in dying men. That's worth repeating. He said, unbelief is actually perverted faith. For it puts its trust not in the living God, but in dying men. You mark it down. If you're not walking by faith, you'll be governed by fear. And fear and faith cannot occupy the same heart at the same time. It's one or the other. Jesus said, if we had faith so small that the size of a mustard seed, you don't have to be a grand old man of faith. Just trust God with the best you got. Amen. Amen. You do that, you can move mountains, you can move trees, you can, you can see God do the miraculous in your life. Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And a man in church come up to me and said, What does that verse really mean? I said, Well, it means, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them. And You shall have them. It means what it says. Man goes home from church hearing the mustard seed faith message and goes to his window contemplating and sees a berm in his backyard. And he said, dear God, I believe you can move that berm. I mean, if you can move mountains, you can move that little berm. And I'd like that gone by tomorrow morning. I believe in you, Father. I've got faith in you. He goes to bed and the next morning comes back to the window and looks out the window. Yeah, just what I thought. It's still there. And that's how most of us pray. I ask you, those of you that were in the service this morning. How did Joy know that her husband was going to get saved? That scares some Baptists. Well, now you're getting on the borderline of Bapticostalism. no. <laughs> You old-timers, you know what I'm talking about. There was a day in our fundamental, independent, narrow-minded King James-only red-letter edition, no fun Baptist churches, where we had all-night prayer meetings. There was times in our normal services where you'd hear weeping at the altar. You, there was time where our churches were given to prayer. Not excellence, Prayer. And they anticipated when God was about to do something. None of us can tell God when and where, but you stay close enough to God, you're gonna get some preview of what's coming. You say, well, you're dealing in feelings. Do you not have feelings? I'm not governed by my feelings, but I gotta tell you something, when God moves into my heart, when God moves in my heart, when God's about to do something in my life, my feelings get affected by it. Amen. Amen. And today, we're too quick to give up and say, well, it must not be God's will, it must not be God. We're living in the end times, it must not be God's will. My word, I'll tell you what God's will is, men ought always to pray. Pray without ceasing. Continue in prayer. We need to pray with faith. The problem is many of us don't have faith. We're so good at living our Christian life. We have personal discipline. We can do whatever a Christian is asked to do in our own personal discipline. But if that's all it takes, the Mormons outshine us. A good old fashioned Roman Catholic outshines us. I'm saying tonight, you want to experience the power of God, your faith has to be increased. So how do we get our faith to increase? Two things. Number one, remove the world. Remove the world. You can't can't live in known sin and expect God to hear and answer your prayer. Come on, think about it. If he did, he'd be an enabler for your sinful lifestyle. God said, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Do you get that? I don't know that I like that verse. Jesus said, you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. What do you mean by that? I've told you to do some things and you deny me before men. Someday you're going to ask me to do some things and I'm going to deny you before my father. God is looking for a people where he can show himself strong. But he's looking for a perfect people. And folks, that's not a sinless people, but someone that's completely and wholly given to God. Search me, O oh God. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. To my knowledge, I've got all, everything up in order. I'm, uh, my sins are confessed. Dear God, I'm doing the best I can. But if I've overlooked something, show it to me. I want it out of my life. I don't want nothing between us. Are you hearing me? We've got to remove the world. And then secondly, we, we need to read the word. You know, faith is not like PMA, positive mental attitude. It's not something that all of a sudden, I think I'm going to trust God today. It's not a decision you make. Faith is the outgrowth of the word of God germinating. That's why the good book says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god when you're in the book and in the book and hearing the book read and hearing the book preached teaching the word of god meditating on the word of god praying the word of god memorizing the word of god your faith just naturally grows because the word is going to germinate faith in your life you get in the book and you're going to be saying hey why are we going so slow we got we got a job to do for god it won't be the result of a sermon. Your faith will just take over and say, I want to see God do something. Today, we got people that can tell you the starting lineup of their favorite sporting team. But they can't tell you the 12 disciples' names. Can't tell you the eight Beatitudes or the 10 commandments. Can't quote the 39 books of the Old Testament or 27 in the New struggle at quoting any verses at all come on folks I'm not being ugly I'm not being unkind and I know that I'm speaking to a great church and that's why I'm addressing this church because if you and I can see revival here you're going to have an influence over a lot of other churches we need to get back in the book and let the book get into us You've heard every good preacher there is, you've heard every good sermon there is, you have one of the best preachers in America in this pulpit, but we're not doing what we're hearing. We need to meditate on God's word, hide it in our hearts, and it will grow faith. We need to pray with passion. We need to pray with persistence. We need to pray with precision and we need to pray with positivity. And then lastly, I saved my favorite point for last. Why is that? Because I got to enjoy something too. Look in verse 43. And immediately he received his sight and followed him. Glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. The blind man got healed and he couldn't help but praising God. I mean, he followed Jesus, glorifying God, giving thanks and praise. That's what the Hebrew writer meant when he said, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Remember the 10 lepers that were healed? How many came back to give thanks? One. And I wonder if the percentages would be the similar today in 2022. We can be so ungrateful. Ungrateful. One man said, suppose you woke up tomorrow morning with everything that you thanked God for today. What would you have? Well, I know three things I'd have. Because before my feet hit the floor, and folks, that's not like a fast prayer. It takes a long time for me to get my feet to the floor when I wake up. I thank God that I'm saved. Never gotten over that. Not only am I saved, but that he kept me. I thank God for my wife, for my family. My mom and dad, my sisters, my five daughters, my 11 grandchildren. I thank God for my health. My dad would often say the richest man in all the world. Is the man who has his health, and he doesn't even know it. I thank God for my health. Nobody in our family gets out of their 60s. My dad had his first heart attack at 38, second at 49. And on May 22, 1989, he was 58 years old from his third heart attack. We all have heart problems. I had open heart surgery when I was 49. Back to the hospital again when I'm 53. That's the reason why I turned the church over to a young man. We have too good of a church, too great of a church to leave without a pastor. I still love serving God. I still love pastoring. I love preaching his word. And folks, i got to tell you, since I've retired from pastoring, I feel better now than I have in my whole life. I told our church, you people kill preachers. <laughs> I'm going to live to be 85. Now I'm 69 years old and June 15th this year, we're having a watch night service just to see if I make it out of my <laughs> 60s. Hallelujah. I thank God for my health tonight. I usually sit on the front row at home because I get a little excited and I, I try to behave when I'm out of town and out of my church, you know, and I try not to sing too loud, try not to get too happy. You're a no-clap church, and I usually find out the hard way, and I get excited. <laughs> <laughs> Feel like an idiot. <laughs> I was in one church and got really blessed, and <clears> the <throat> preacher got up and said, A good amen isn't sufficient. Well, just shoot me now. So I sit on the front row and because I don't want anyone to bother me. I couldn't sit in the back. You people sit in the back. More power to you. I'm glad you're here. I couldn't sit back there. I got the attention span of a gerbil. I mean, people moving and I just couldn't do it. I got to be right up front. And then it allows me to sing loud. I like to sing loud. I don't know why, I just like to sing loud. And uh, because I've lived with women my whole life, I change my mind a lot. (laughs) So I'll start off singing the melody, and and then I'll drop down and sing the bass line, and then I'll sing the baritone line, you know, the boring line, the guy that never gets headlines in a quartet. Then I sing the alto if it's a low enough key. I'll sing the high note, and quite frankly, I make up a part every now and then. (laughs) But if I'm sitting behind you, I'm gonna throw you off. So that's why I like to sit right up front. every now and then I get blessed and I just gotta let one out. You gotta let it out. I mean, you get happy, you gotta let it out. If you don't, you're gonna hurt yourself. And looking at some of your faces, some of you have done some great damage. When I was a kid, I, I liked to sneeze. I mean, to me, there's a thrill in sneezing, the whole process, you know how the hair gets you. My mother, she'd see me whining up, don't you dare, don't you dare, I'll kill you when we get home. Well, I couldn't sneeze in church, because I mean, when I sneeze, I let it out, folks. Oh, and I always sneeze in pairs, hallelujah. The Bible says, whatever you, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Man, don't give us a little. <clears throat> My mom, she belted me once for sneezing in church. So that's a motivator. Boys usually, they boys don't respond to reason. They respond to pain. So she's giving me that. And boy, I mean, to tell you. And I'm enjoying what I can. Have you ever held in a good sneeze? It hurts. It really does. It hurts your ears. But if you do that for 30 years, I'm telling you what's going to happen. You're going to have hernia surgery. (laughs) Testimonial. Let it out. I get happy and I got to let it out. and, And I'll say, hey, man. Every now and then I just get really happy. Well, glory. Hallelujah. But every now and then, I mean, I'm looking, I'm trying to escalate my praise to the Lord and I got to find something. What do we do now? Well, praise the Lord. Was there anything wrong saying praise the Lord? But is that praising the Lord? We're not here long enough for you to get to know us, which might be good for you. (laughs) But if you got to spend time with my wife, you would know that I'm not exaggerating or embellishing. Not Not only is she a beautiful lady, she's just very kind. She was given by God an even temperament. She has that calming aura about her. There can be a screaming kid and she can pick up that kid and the kid just settles down. I could stop that same kid from crying, but I go to jail. (laughs) She just has a way. She's frugal. She's a wonderful singer. She's a wonderful teacher. She's a tremendous hostess. If she ever invites you to the house for dinner, say yes. She's a tremendous hostess. She's a great mother. She's she's a gamer. She likes to play games. She's thrifty. She's fun. Now. What have I been doing? Been praising her. I didn't say, praise the wife. <laughs> well, praise the wife. I could sound spiritual. I call her Laura a lot, praise the Lord. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with saying, praise the Lord. but we ought to think of who he is. We ought to think what he's done for us. It's hard to believe that a parent, especially as a good of a parent as I was, could actually learn something from one of his children. But my oldest daughter, went through a very difficult time in her marriage. I'll spare you the details. It was, a, it was just a horrific. Their home was actually dangerous. And yet she wanted the children not to lose faith. And so when God blessed them, they would write on a piece of paper that blessing. And they would put it in a box that she called a blessings box. And once a month, they'd sit around the table, they'd open the box and they'd read the blessings that God gave them. And it lifted their spirits. The songwriter wasn't exaggerating when he said, Count your blessings. Name them. One by one. You know what? It'll surprise you what God has done. We travel. I'm never never in the same place. I'm seldom in in the same bed for more than five nights. And so we travel light. Carry on only, regardless of how long. If we're flying, it's carry on only. And so I have a lot of my books on my iPad and I have a lot of booklets on my phone. My prayer journal is on my phone because I want it close. And in one of my apps, I have Blessings 2022. And I write down the blessings. And once a month, once every other month, I read them. And it brings back to memory how special it was that day. How miraculous it was that day. Because if we're not careful, we'll take for granted what God has done. A thankful man has just enough. A complaining man has too much. We ought to be a thankful people. Jot this down if you're a note taker. Who you love or what you love you worship. Let me reverse that. Yeah, no. Who you love, you worship. What you worship, you praise. Whatever we habitually, regularly praise, that shows what we worship. What's worship? It's not just bowing. It's giving myself totally to He's in the room. Whatever you want. It's worship. And you worship who you love. I can't help that I was born in Ohio. Not everybody can be blessed like that. And some of you talk about OSU, referring to orange and black. I've got a problem. It's scarlet and gray. Uh, did I hear go blue? Let's go to John three sixteen. <laughs> we obviously need a salvation message. Whoa. I got to go to an Ohio State Buckeye game back in 2006. First game I'd ever been to, collegiate game. And they were playing the Wolverines. It was called by ESPN, the game of the century. The century just started. They don't even know what's going to happen for for the next 94 years, but it's the game of the century. And, And the reason was, Ohio State, rated number one, was undefeated, playing Michigan, also undefeated, rated number two. I'm in the stadium. We arrived at the stadium more than two hours before the game. Are you listening? This was my first experience. So if you've been to college games, you understand this. And so forgive my naiveness. I didn't know this took place. When I got there, the two parking lots like an L adjacent to the stadium were packed full already. Packed full and people in scarlet and gray, the colors of Ohio State Buckeyes, they have tents set up, and I learned they were tailgating. I mean, they're cooking, it smelled wonderful, but I mean, I was just, wow, am I in heaven? I just see all this beautiful red and gray and little babies dressed up in scarlet and gray, and I thought, they don't even realize the privilege that they have. (laughs) And my preacher friend that took me said, yeah, and 99% of these people don't even have a ticket to get into the game. They just want to be as close to the stadium as they can be for the game. And they have satellite hooked up. They're They're watching ESPN. They're watching replays of the whole season up to this game. Think of it. They're sitting out in these tents two and a half hours before the game. And they're watching... TV monitors showing replays. And I'm thinking, wow, this is different. And they're getting excited like they've never seen it before. And they're saying, watch, 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 watch. He's going to break right through the line. He's going to shove off this defender and boom, go in touchdown. They're going crazy for a game that's already over. (laughs) I thought to myself, wow. Wouldn't that be something, Brother Gaddis? You come to church some Sunday, friend day, your parking lots are full. They're tailgating, <laughs> <laughs> cooking away. They got monitors there, and there he is, Brother Gaddis. your men and women are out there. Oh, this is such a blessing. He's just going to he's going to tell them, you need to get saved. You're going to hell. Here it comes. Wow, praise the Lord. <clears throat> nah, that's not what you need to do. But God's people ought to be the ones that praise God. And folks, I'm not one that's ever been accused of flattering. You've got a good spirit of praise here. Don't lose it. But let's do it outside of this room. Out in the narthex. The parking lot. Home. Some of our church kids hear more negative things about church, Christianity, people at church, blah, 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 than they hear the praises of God. We ought to be a people of praise. In fact, I would say you ought to reverse that order when you have an extended time of prayer with God. The psalmist said, enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Gates with praise. Praise. Let's praise him. We ought to be a people of prayer. If we believed what Brother Bounds said, prayer can do anything God can do. Somebody in the church ought to say, if that's true, then I'm going to learn to pray. I want to see God do something miraculous before my Christian walk is done. Let's stand to our feet. The greatest miracle you and I will ever experience, may I remind you, is to be saved from your sins. And if you're here tonight without confidence of your eternal destiny, got good news for you. God loves you. Well, why does he allow all this nonsense in my life? I don't know that I can answer it to satisfy you, but I do know this. All things work together for good to them that love him. And so if you want it to work together for good, then start loving him. And you do that by trusting him, first of all, as your Lord and Savior. Get saved. Put your trust in him. He'll save you from your sin. When you call on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, you will experience the greatest miracle of your life. To be a child of the devil, born again as a child of God. But church, let's do something about the message. Let's not be hearers only. Would you join me at the altar? Would you make an altar where you're at? and let's be a house of prayer. Father, bless this good church. Us old-timers, we've seen our country change. Of course, we've seen our churches change. Father, we need an old-fashioned revival. And if you'd be so kind to start it right here in Oklahoma City, boy, that would be just fine with us. But whether you started here or not, would you please send a revival to our nation once again? And may it spread. Father, there's some people here tonight that if they could be honest in public, they're hurting inside. And if you don't do something miraculous, there's gonna be some great tragedy. So tonight, we ask that you would show yourself strong amongst this people. In Jesus' name, amen. You come. You come as the singer sings.